Yeah, amen. Praise God. Uh, round of applause for the praise and worship team. Fantastic job. Uh, thank you, Lord, indeed. I love that song. Amen. Good old Don Moen. Amen. Just we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to, uh, today might be slightly different to the normal approach, but I believe it's important to understand certain things in the house of God. Um, and one of the things we need to understand is doctrine. You see, doctrine is a set of beliefs or a belief about something. And um, I believe it's important in the house of God, you should be able to understand what it is you actually believe. Can you say amen in this place? There's nothing worse than coming to church and quote-unquote believing things, but actually not knowing why you believe these things. There's nothing worse than uh, labeling yourself a Christian, but not really fully grasping the foundational doctrines of what it is to be a follower of Christ. So that's why I want to kind of focus on doctrine this evening. Doctrine, a set of beliefs, what we understand about a certain situation or a certain subject. That's called doctrine. And today I want to speak about the Holy Trinity. The sermon title is nice and simple, the Holy Trinity. And it's very, very important to speak about doctrine because how many know there's so much out there that can confuse us? Can you say amen in this place? All you've got to do is spend 20 minutes on YouTube and you can be bamboozled. Come on. From beliefs that you've had firm from young. Your grandmama used to tell you. Your parents used to tell you. You flip on YouTube and all of a sudden now you're confused. Now you don't understand where to, where to stand on certain issues. Look at 2 John 1 verse 7 to 11. The Bible says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a, de- a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive them into your house. The Bible says don't even greet them. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Uh, listen, we all know Hebrews 13 uh, and 8 where the Bible says Jesus uh, Christ uh, is the same yesterday, today and forever. Well, we understand that verse. We say it many times. It's, it's one of our, uh, our verses we just throw out there. But verse number 9 of the same chapter goes on to say, Do not be carried away with various strange doctrines. Why? Because Jesus hasn't changed. Come on. If Jesus still said one thing when he was walking this earth, listen, he still believes that today. Can you say amen in this place? Things don't automatically change. There's a new age. There's a new way to look at things. No, um, we have to understand that there are strange doctrines out there that can take us um, to places we should not be going. Um, and we start to believe things um, we should not believe. And now we're all confused. So today, like I said, the central focus um, of a born-again um, Bible-believing Christian um, is the understanding of the Holy Trinity. And I just want to speak to you about out of the text, uh, Matthew chapter 3. 
verse number 13. Uh, familiar story when Jesus was baptized. Jesus Christ himself was baptized. The Bible says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? But Jesus answers and said to him, Put it, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us uh, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he'd been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, as I was writing this sermon and studying for this sermon, understanding how to talk about the Holy Trinity, this scripture came to mind. This was the scripture. As I was thinking, okay, how am I going to use a launcher? What scripture am I going to use as a launching pad? And this scripture came to mind because it is a perfect, wonderful picture. We see all in one setting. We see God the Father, we see God the Son, and we see God the Holy Spirit. And this is the Trinity. So this is a perfect starting point or a launching pad to understand the triune God that we serve. Can you say amen in this place? First thing I want to point out to you, and I'm going to start here, I'm not going to spend too much time here, is the word itself, the word Trinity. Now for all you Bible scholars, all you guys know that that word does not actually exist in the Bible. Um, it's not in there. You can find it. You can find Genesis, Revelation. You won't find the word Trinity in there or the Holy Trinity or God's referred to as the Trinity. And some people use that fact to refute it. Some people say the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Therefore, God is not a Trinity. God is not a triune God. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous because the word is a theological word. It's not a biblical word as in found in the Bible. It's a theological word which relates to the character of God. There's many theological words that don't actually appear in the Bible, but they still reference God. Omniscience. We say that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing, but that particular word is a theological word. It doesn't actually find itself in the Bible. Uh, 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 and you can kind of look at all of these theological words that we use to describe God. So the argument saying that because the word Trinity is not in the Bible, therefore it doesn't exist, then is refutable in itself. But the origins of the word, it's, English, it's the English equivalent, uh, comes from the Latin word Trinitas, which means or is described as the tripleness or the threefold. And it's used to collectively talk about God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit as we see it today. So we want to understand that and pull that out of Scripture. Although the word Trinity is not in the Bible, Scripture does teach that we serve a triune God. And we're going to use Scripture today to understand that. And we see in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we're going to use the word of God to explain the Trinity. Is that all right? Do we understand that? We've been with so far? Amen. God bless you. So we're going to look and look towards the triunity. So first of all, the doctrine defined. Within the nature of the one true God, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
all sharing the same attributes as one. So we have one true God, but within the nature of God, there are three persons all sharing the same attributes as one. And in order to understand scripture, we need to first understand uh, that we know that the Bible we have, we have it today is split into two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we must first settle the idea that the New Testament completes the Old Testament. And in order to interpret the New Testament, we need to interpret it in light of the Old Testament. And what scripture tells us is that there is one God. And that's easy to comprehend. There is one God, one true God. There is, we are serving God as a monotheism religion where we serve one God. There is one true God. But scripture also demonstrates that there are three persons that are also called God. So we serve one God. But now there are three persons who are also called God. Therefore, they are equal to each other. In other words, they are three but one. If I can demonstrate that there are three persons and they are all called God, as in Jehovah, Yahweh, they are all called God. Well, then we deduce that those three are actually the same. Does that make sense? You're able to demonstrate three individuals, but then you're actually able to demonstrate that they are the same. And we're going to break this down. We're going to start off with the Father. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 17. Bible says, He, this is Jesus, He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So this is contrasting or taking uh, the, the story of our main text when Jesus was baptised. But here we see that God is identified as the Father. It says he received from God the Father. That word God, Yahweh, Jehovah, we understand the existing one, God the Father. So he's identified God himself as the Father. We also see in the same scripture, the Son. Well, who is the Son? We understand that God is the Father, but it just says the Son, the Son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, who is the Son? Well, let's go back to Exodus, Exodus 3. I don't want you to lose me on this one. This, you know, I might not throw many jokes in this one, but I want you to understand because sometimes we can go through life and navigate without fully understanding the God we serve. I know we're not going to be able to comprehend him this side of heaven, but there is some things we can learn about God. So Exodus 3. And 13, this is going back to when Moses uh, was, was speaking to God at the burning bush. He was there speaking to God uh, and, uh, and he kind of was conversing with God saying, who am I going to say? Who should I say sent me if I go back to the children of Israel? Verse number 13, the Bible says, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
This is God revealing himself to, to, to Moses, uses, using the Hebrew word, which means to be or the existing one. The word I am or the phrase I am is to be, it's a verb, the existing one. This is the source of the English word where we get Yahweh or Jehovah or Lord. This is how God identified himself to Moses at that burning bush. So fast forward now to John chapter 8, 57 and 58. And Jesus is in conflict with Pharisees, the, uh, the, the preachers of religious law. He's in conflict. And 57, the Bible says, Then the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old, and yet you said you have seen Abraham. They're in conflict with Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, Listen, when Abraham saw me, he was glad. And they're saying, You're not even old enough to see Abraham. And 58, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, in other words, before Abraham was, even born, I am. And the Bible says after that, they wanted to kill him because they understood what he just said. He said, I am. He said the same, uh, he was categorizing himself the same uh, the way that God uh, introduced himself to Moses. He said, listen, that same person that said, I am to Moses, I'm standing before you now saying, I am. This is Jesus Christ saying that. And here we see he didn't do it by accident. He did that on purpose. Their response is they wanted to kill him. And again in John 10, verse number 30, the Bible says, Jesus says, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Well, why? Jesus asked them, why are you trying to stone me? Verse number 33 says, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you being a man make yourself God. So they were perplexed because here is Jesus Christ saying, in effect, I am God. That's what he was saying in plain uh, language to them. He's saying, I am God. This is Jesus Christ identifying himself uh, as God, uh, as God the Father was identifying himself uh, to Moses. Look at Revelation verse number one. Uh, Sorry, chapter one and verse number eight. Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. We understand that Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, the Alpha, the Omega is the end one. So here uh, Jesus is declaring he is the A to Z. He is the eternal one. He is everything in between. And again, we see in Revelation 22 and verse number 13, the Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This is Jesus speaking, the first and last. He's referring to himself. And the reason why those words are important because if we go back to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 44 and verse number 6, the Bible says here, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. So here we see that Jesus Christ is using words that God used to identify himself. Now, either there are two firsts and two lasts, or it is the one same God. Either Isaiah was talking about somebody else, another God, and Jesus was talking about himself as a secondary God, or they are one and the same. Now, we know Jesus' name when he came. They said, you shall name him Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. Not just a prophet, not just a nice young man. It means God with us. Jesus said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Doubting Thomas, when he finally saw Jesus, um, he saw the, the, the wound in his side, the hole in his hands. And he said, this is Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. We need to understand when we're talking about Jesus Christ, we're not just talking about another character in history. We're not just talking about what the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They say he is a creation of God. Well, they also believe that there is one God. Well, they say that Jesus is a God. Well, that to me says now there's two gods and there's not one God. We have to understand that God the Father and God the Son are one. Can you say amen in this place? So that leaves then God, the Holy Spirit. Well, first we have to address him correctly because he is a he and not an it. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a force or a, 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 a spiritual atmosphere. No, he is God also. We have to address, we have to understand that God is the Father, the Son, and also the Holy Spirit. And the scripture we're about to read will expose that the Holy Spirit is actually a person and not just a force. We look at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse number 1 to 4. We hear a story of where a man and his wife... Well, you know, in those days in the early church, they sold possessions and gave it to each other. So everyone has needs. And here we are in verse number one. The Bible says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? I want to pause right here. Listen, you can only lie to someone that is living. You can't lie to something. You can't lie to a force. You can only lie to someone that is living. So he said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Therefore, inferring that the Holy Spirit is a person, is living. He says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You can't lie to something. You can only lie to someone. And carry on, it says, and kept back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your owner? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you con uh, conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to God, but to who? Who does it say? You saw, you've not lied to men, so you've not lied to men. Who does it say? To God. So in the same vein, in the same uh, conversation, here we see the apostles saying you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you've actually lied to God because they are the same. Acts 13, number, uh, chapter, sorry, chapter 13, verse number 1 to 2. The Bible says, Now in the church, uh, that was at Antioch, there was a certain prophet and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, uh, um, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manim, uh, who had been brought up with the Herod of the Tetrarch in Seoul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnas, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Who said that? 
the Holy Spirit said. Again, we hear someone is saying something and a personalized says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. In other words, he's personalizing it, that God is the Holy Spirit. It isn't just a force. Talking about something, it's a feeling. I've heard people describe the Holy Spirit as a feeling. No, he is part of the Godhead. He is he and not an it. So we've identified three persons and they are all called God. We've identified God the Father. We've identified Jesus himself saying, I am, in other words, I am Yahweh. We've identified that the Holy Spirit is also called God. But yet in 1 Timothy 2.5, the Bible says that there is one God. So therefore, the three persons are one God. And the thing is, people say this defies logic. It's not logical. Well, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen, you don't know the power of God or the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures show us that God is three in one. And the power of God is enough to do whatever he wants to do. Can you say amen in this place? We're limiting God to our human logic. And if we try and limit God to our human logic, that's when we start to get confused to thinking, no, he can't do this. And how can that work? But listen, God is above our ways. His ways are above our ways. His thinking is above our thinkings. Can you say amen in this place? So we should not try to limit God and pull him down to our own limitations. I want to quickly look at the Trinity at work. In some places, you you wouldn't necessarily notice the Trinity at work. But have a look at the Trinity at work in the incarnation of Jesus. When Jesus entered the scene, Luke 1 and verse number 35, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit, that's the third person of the Trinity, will come upon you and the power of the highest that's the first person of the Trinity, will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. There's the second person of the Trinity. So in that whole incarnation, you see the whole Trinity at work. You see the Holy Spirit that will come upon Mary, the highest that will overshadow her, and of course, the Son of God that will be born. There is the Trinity at work in the incarnation. And our main text, obviously the baptism of Christ, we see the Trinity at work there when Jesus was baptized that's the son he came up the Bible says um, that the Holy Spirit that's the, uh, the, the, the the third person of the Trinity descended like a dove and then we see the voice or hear the voice of God saying this is my son in whom I'm well pleased so again all three of the Trinity right there and I didn't realize this until starting to study this and understand this um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Trinity is at work in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, both Acts 3 and verse number 26 and 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, they both say that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's what they say. When you go, you can read that one. I haven't put it up on the screen, but you can read that one at home. Acts 3 and 26 and 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, they both say it was God that raised Jesus from the dead. Well, John 2, 19 and verse 21, when Jesus again was in conflict with the Pharisees, he said that he will raise himself from the dead. He said, tear down this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. So here we see God raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus himself saying, I'm going to raise this temple up from the dead. And Romans 8, 11 says that it was the Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. 
Well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Who raised, God, who raised Jesus from the dead? God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus raised himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit raised him. Well, it doesn't make sense unless God is indeed three persons in one. Can you say amen in this place? It won't make sense unless you understand that God is actually three in one. The doctrine of the Trinity is not completely incomprehensible. We can understand it. We can get our head around it. And scripture clearly teaches it. The Trinity, see, is not a triplex. In other words, one plus one plus one equals one. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It is actually a triune. In other words, one times one times one. Equals one. Can you say amen in this place? The triple point of water. I want to kind of throw that out there as an as a illustration. There is a there is a um, a scientific feat called the triple point of liquid, or in this, in this case, the triple point of water. Where if you get the temperature and the pressure exactly right, you put it in a vacuum, you can make water become ice, liquid, so a solid. Uh, a liquid and a gas at the exact same time. It's possible. It's called the triple point where if you put the pressure right, uh, you put the temperature exactly right, uh, the substance can become a solid, a liquid and a gas at the exact same time. Now that's just water. That's something that God created. If he's able to do that with something as simple as water, Listen, it's not too hard for him to have that as his own nature. It's not too hard for him to be uh, three in exactly the same time. It's not too hard for God to be called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at exactly the same time. But you see, we know there is three persons, but in Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I said all of that to say this because in the world we live in today, especially this, this, this one doctrine has been or was trying to be refuted because if you can try and demote Jesus Christ, you have to see the demonic angle of all this doctrine. If you can try and demote Jesus Christ to anything less than God, then all that we do in the house of God is pointless. Listen, if the devil can get you to, to, to believe that Jesus Christ is even just a little bit less than God himself, then all that we believe in is futile. Because that means that uh, we, 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 we cannot be washed of our sins. We cannot be atoned for because Jesus was just a prophet. But no, we need to understand the Trinity as foundational because um, Jesus Christ was not just a good man. He was God in the flesh. 100% God and 100% man. What people can't comprehend is the fact that he said, I'm going to give up certain things. I'm going to leave my majesty and step into frail humanity. Because he is God, he's able to do that. And when he was said and done, he took back majesty. He took back life. We need to understand that Jesus Christ was exactly who he said he was when he said, I am. He is God, almighty God. They are all God. We have to understand that. Now, what does that all mean for us? Listen, in 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, there is a benediction that that Paul says. And it says, Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is why we need to understand the Trinity. So that the triune God can minister to us in his, in his entirety. He says you need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the love of God. And you need the communion of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the three persons of God so that we can serve correctly, so that we can worship correctly, so that we can function correctly, and we can do things correctly. I spoke about the, uh, the, the human body, the, uh, or the, human, the human being this morning, talking about uh, body, mind, and soul. We understand that capability. Well, we need to understand that with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand the foundational doctrine because there's coming a time. And dare I say we're in the time already where many strange doctrines will come upon us and will have you confused, asking questions about what does this mean? Does this actually mean? And you need to understand if it doesn't align with the Bible, it is demonic. If it tries to demote Jesus Christ, it is demonic. It is an antichrist. Don't care what it looks like. Package it up how you want. Call it whatever you want. If you try and demote Jesus Christ, you are an antichrist. And we need to understand that, church, because I really do believe that as we see the day approaching, we're going to see more and more strange doctrines come upon us. And some of us may even be, the Bible says, even God's elect can be misled. We're going to see signs and wonders, the Bible says, in order to mislead us. So church, we need to get into the word of God and understand doctrine for ourselves. Listen, I thank God for the, uh, you know, the organized religion we have nowadays. We have a church we can come to. There's preachers that can come that can minister to us. But we can't forget delving into the scripture ourselves. We can't forget to, to, to uh, digest on the word of God for ourselves so we're able to fully understand if somebody came, listen, if a Jehovah Witness came knocking at my door today, I won't be bamboozled because I know what the, the truth says. I know what the word says about God. They understand that there, or they believe that there is no Trinity. They believe God or Jesus is a created being. I'm able to pull out the Bible and say, listen, thus says the word of the God, the word of the Lord. Can you say amen in this place? And we need to all be the same because uh, there's times coming uh, where the enemy would seek to confuse the body of Christ with all sorts of strange doctrines. Uh, but today was about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place. Uh, doctrine. We need to understand doctrine. True doctrine. Because there's many false or strange doctrines that are here now and are yet to come. And we should not be swayed. We should not be pulled away, distracted, 
We need to understand what the word of God says. This is God's word revealed to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that all scripture is profitable, all scripture. We need to digest it. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Don't let anyone tell you that the Trinity is incomprehensible. Don't let anyone tell you that the Trinity is not biblical. We just spent a couple of minutes talking about some of the things. There's studies that can go on that shows that God is three in one. But we should be blessed by that. That we have a God who is the almighty. A God who is transcendent, far and high, high and lofty. We can't even comprehend his majesty. We have a God, the Father, the creator, the almighty, everlasting. But we also have a saviour who stepped into humanity, who knows what you're going through, who's felt some of the things that you felt, has gone through some of the temptations that you have. And we also have a God who would dwell inside of us. Literally, his spirit will live inside of us. What a blessing to have God in all three capacities like that. God who is huge, high and lifted up. God, Jesus Christ, who is able to be a mediator, who is able to be a high priest, understanding what we're going through. And God, the Holy Spirit, who will literally dwell inside of us and control us. What a blessing it is. Don't let anyone sell the God the Bible short to you. Understand that. Get to know him. Get to know him. God is three in one. Maybe you're here in this place and you, you, you didn't understand that. You, you, uh, you've heard of that before. You've heard of uh, people trying to refute that. Maybe you're here in this place and you, know, you even have some questions about that yourself. Uh, listen, what I want you to do, the best thing I can do, to do for you is to introduce you to the God that I've been talking about. God the Father wants to be your Father. God the Son, the Saviour of the world wants to wash away your sins. God the Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside of you. So if you're here under the sound of my voice and you're confused about the whole concept of, of, of the Trinity and understanding what that means, uh, well, I would suggest, listen, you need to surrender your life to God. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you're here under the sound of my voice, you want to do that. You want to surrender your life to Christ. You want to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of you and, and literally make you a new creation to wash away the sins, to make you born again that you're no longer the same if you want that in this place and you want to experience that just raise your hand in this place raise your hand i'll introduce you to the awesome god the father the son and the holy spirit i'll introduce you right here right now if that's you you want that you want to be new brand new raise your hand in this place raise your hand in this place thank you lord jesus speaking to christians to some of you, 
This just ticks the boxes. You agreed. You, you know. You know all of what I said. And this just affirms, this just reaffirms what you already know to some of you here. But to some of you, there may have been a question mark about the full understanding of the Trinity, God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. To some of you, there may have been a few gaps. Well, I hope today that the Holy Spirit, via the scriptures we read and the more that you can read at home, will start to reveal the fullness of God to you. And that we can start to delve deep, to understand, to get to know the God who we actually serve. We get to know Him for who He really is. We'll experience Him. Experience the Father, the Son and the Spirit. And allow Him to direct us. That we can be steadfast in His Word, planted like a tree planted by the water that when the rain comes when the, when the sun comes listen nothing will be able to scorch or pull you up because you're rooted in the word listen we need to take this doctrine to heart it's a foundational doctrine we need to take this study more listen we need to understand that, uh, the God that we serve and, and put it into our everyday life when we understand God we'll be able to serve him better we understand what his word says about him we'll be able to serve him better so let's spend some time in prayer church I want us to pray uh, if that's re- reaffirmed anything for you then praise God uh, thank him for reaffirming that to you uh, if that's answered any questions Again, thank him for answering the questions, for revealing things to you. If that doctrine will have had a question mark above, well, listen, study more into it and, and, and allow God to reveal his fullness to you in this place. The Holy Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is foundational to being a Christian. Foundation. Let's spend some time in prayer and ask God to continue to reveal His Word by His Spirit. Father, thank You, Lord God. We worship You, God. We bless Your name, God. Thank You for all that You are, God, and all that You do. Lord, we come to You, God, this evening, God, asking that You would continue to reveal Your majesty, God, by the power of Your Holy Spirit. God, reveal Your Word by Your Holy Spirit, God, that we can understand You, God, or we can serve You accordingly, God. Thank You, Father God, that we get to have an intimate relationship with You, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, help us, God, to display wisdom, God, to continue, Father God, steadfast, O God, in your word, O Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.